0: A lot of times we hear about people defending drinking dairy and having cow's milk and dairy and they defend it with the Vedas, they defend it with being Hindu, to be a good Hindu is to drink from the mother cow. Can you talk about that a little bit and uh, what's your feelings on that? You see, if you have named the Vedas what is the central teaching of all the Vedic literature? If you want to really know what the Vedic teaching is, you will have to go to the Upanishads. The Upanishads are called Vedant, which means the summit, the climax of Ved. and they go into the reality of man and what is the reality of man the upanishads are very forthright and unequivocal about it they say man is the truth itself aham brahmasmi you are nothing else except the truth. You are the ultimate finality. You are total. Now if this is the position that the Vedic literature takes, then one cannot operate from a point of incompleteness, hollowness, or desirousness. A lot of what we do, please see, we do just in order to gain fulfillment. We say that the purpose of human life is progress, don't we? And we assess a human being according to how much he has been able to progress and contribute to progress. And what is progress for us? Knowing more, collecting more. Knowing more, collecting more. I'm not trying to unnecessarily be simplistic. Please go into it. When you know more, when you collect more, is it something that happens only on the outside, or does it also affect your self-worth? When you know more, your self-worth rises. When you collect more, again your self-worth rises. The Upanishads say that your self-worth, that which you are, is anyway infinite. You are anyway total. Now go out and play. You are anyway perfect and complete. Now, do whatever you want to do, but do it from a point of perfection, do it from a point of completion. Do not do in order to gain something, do not do in order to rise. Act as if you are already there, as if you are already complete. That is what the Vedas are all about. Hmm? Now, around this center, A lot has been said, just a whole lot. If I am already complete, how do I relate with you? Do I look at you with hungry eyes? Then there is a certain fullness and then the relationship is called love. I do not seek to harm you. You do not exist then as a means or a resource for me. Hmm? The cow you named. Would the keeper of the cow, would the cow herd still keep the cow if the cow stops giving milk? If the relationship is of love, then one does not really bother what the other one is supplying to him. I want to inquire into the relationship of the cattle keeper, the rearer of cattle, with his cattle. You call the cow as your cow. You're in what sense? You're in the sense of something close, lovable, intimate or you're in sense of possession. And these are two very very different things. Calling this as my twig and calling God as my God are two very different expressions. When you say my cow, what do you mean? I dare say we mean something that can be milked and the date stops producing milk, the relationship is severed and off it goes to the butcher. Hmm? The animal goes to the butcher. So any Hindu who would have ever understood the Ved, cannot have a relationship like that with a cow or a buffalo or a goat Or anything or anybody in the universe. It's direct, straightforward. To be a Hindu is to live in a pre-existing, everlasting, never exhausting completeness, totality. To be a Hindu is to be always at the summit. That is the essence and the teaching of the Upanishads. You are not even the son of God. You are God Himself. Now, will God's desires be contingent on a little animal? Will God say, that if I cannot get the meat, or the fur, or the milk, then I feel bad and small? Do you see God chasing a dog to kill? Do you see God artificially inseminating a buffalo? And the Upanishads are saying, if you go into yourself, if you realise your true nature, you verily are nothing but God. Hmm? So Hindu is bound to have a very very harmonious relationship with existence. If at all he has understood what Hinduism is and if at all he takes the Vedic literature as the foundation of Hinduism. The Hindu is bound to see nothing but godliness. A Hindu is someone who is total and therefore sees nothing but the total. For a Hindu, this dead tree is not just a dead tree. Because he looks from a center, a point of totality, this dead tree too represents nothing less than the totality to him. He cannot be disrespectful towards it. And that is why you find Hindus worshipping just about everything. Hmm? Someone may come and start prostrating in front of this stone, this rock. Someone may worship the soil. You must have heard about the multitude of gods and goddesses. There is an entire family, a plethora. And one can keep adding to it. You are free. You can devise your own God. You like that flower. And that flower gives you a scent of something beyond the so-called normal human limitations. You are free to worship the flower. You can even raise a temple devoted to this flower. Now, how can then a Hindu go about with the butcher's knife in his hand. Also to be a Hindu is to be totally surrendered to the total. The Hindu does not quite like anything that is small little petty. And if one is surrendered to the total. Then there is a freedom from the responsibility of having to fend for oneself. Outwardly yes, one goes and, and, and collects water and gets this and that and you know engages in the daily activities. but inwardly he very well knows that the final obligation, to take care of himself, rests not upon himself but upon existence. He knows that he is one with the soil and the soil will take care of him. He knows that just as the plants, the animals all know from where to derive their sustenance and that knowledge is not personal. That knowledge is not even man-made or animal-made. It is very intrinsic the fish knows how to swim and the ocean is there before the fish comes and the ocean is there after the fish goes. Similarly, man arises out of the soil, arises out of the universe and goes back into it. Now why then be responsible for or worry about basic things like food? They will come. Not that this is laziness, not that one does not do anything, one does do a few things, even the fish has to swim and make its way and go to food wherever it sees it. But the fish does not have to be attached to the idea that it is responsible for its own upkeep. Then the fish lives according to its fish nature, then the fish does not stalk for tomorrow. What do you feel the true human nature is? I think we've come away, gone away from true human nature. What do you feel true human nature is actualized? You see, as you spoke, I have to listen. And as I speak, you are listening. And that is happening effortlessly. This is human nature to just know effortlessly. And if you look around, all is available. All that is to be known, all that ever can be known is all available. Just as both of us can listen to each other effortlessly and know. Similarly, true human nature is to know effortlessly. And it can be effortless only if it exists, if there is an incremental knowledge if something new is to be added then effort would always be involved true human nature is to know and to keep knowing that which one already knows Hmm? now in this knowing few other things can also be said. Man does not always live in his true nature. So then the nature of the ego self is to keep moving towards the true nature. And that is love. And that is love. So man loves knowing. Man loves knowing. That knowing is total, to keep moving towards the total, the total, the total, and not to be limited to anything that is petty, small, anything that, that makes him feel that unless he does something, knows something in particular, or collects something, his life has gone waste there is a difference in the I you see an I that is contended looks at the universe in a very very different way compared to an I that believes that hunger is its reality. Talking of the Upanishads, (coughs) hunger might be what you feel, but contented is what you are. And this distinction is extremely important. Hunger might be what I feel, but contented is what I am. Even in the moment of my death, I am immortal. So death is what I experience, but immortal is what I am. That is human nature, to carry these two together, to carry these two together. And the experience of death only takes one to a realization of his immortality if one is deeply present to that experience. If one is close to that experience, not afraid of it. So you could say man has two natures or you could simply say that man has only one nature. The second only exists to keep moving towards the first and end up dissolving in it. There is that in me which feels that I am little, which feels that I am powerless which measures me by my dimensions, and my collections, and my knowledge. And there is that in me, which knows no measurement, which knows no boundary, no logic, no intellect. The purpose of all that which is limited, which is measurable, is to keep moving towards and into the immeasurable. So ultimately there is just one nature. Just one nature, the infinite, the immense, hmm? immeasurable, simply. Now, you tell me where is space in this vastness of human nature to engage oneself in trivialities like hunting, catching, killing, and the stuff. One would rather play than kill. they misunderstood what is written there? It was not just misunderstanding. It was deliberate misinterpretation. Hmm? Deliberate but not probably conscious. Because we do not even know what sense we are making of what we are hearing, reading, looking at or eating. We operate from our centres. In the beginning itself, I had said if we are operating from a center of hunger and if we have become attached to it, then everything to us, uh, to, uh, outside of us, will relate to food. If I am a violent man, then everything that I read will relate to violence in some way or the other in order to remain what I am and the ego always seeks self-preservation, self-continuation in order to remain what I am I will read what I want to read in fact many scriptures have been really tampered with and there is evidence available verses have been inserted, parts have been deleted in various stages of history because man wanted to use the scripture for his own convenience. The ego on one hand feels like a beggar and on the other hand does not want to take anything or anybody as higher than itself. So the ego does not even take God or the prophet or the scripture as higher than itself. The ego says, all of them exist for my sake. So if I want to consume, exploit, then I will have the scriptures to mean what I want them to mean. I pick up a book. And the book is not going to come and tell me how to decode it. I am the one who will be making meaning out of the book. Um, Another question specifically, because we we hear this where it says specifically butter or or, uh, milk and ghee is for health and this is you know the mother cow gave this to us for she gave this to us. she's our mother and the only way to respect our mother cow is to take her offerings this is you know especially you hear all the time what, what do you feel about that or say about that see these are very basic things and they mentioned the vedas too Allah. Mm-hmm. to be a believer in the vedas is to believe in god right and to believe in god is to surrender to god to surrender to god is to say that one lives by the wishes by the mechanisms of existence itself One does not try to fabricate his own artificial ways. Does the cow go and drink the camel's milk? If one is really being religious, then one has to live as per the wishes of nature. God has given you your own mother and her breast milk. Which species drinks the milk of some other species? And if you had really needed milk, even at the age of 20 or 40, then that milk would have been made available to your mother's body. On one hand, you are saying that you are religious, on the other hand, you are claiming that uh, God has not sufficiently provided for you. Now, what kind of religiosity is this? You are saying, you know, God made a mistake. He gave milk to my mother's breasts only for 6 months, whereas I actually needed it for 60 years. So, God has made a huge blunder. So now I will correct God's mistake by turning the cow into mother cow and milking her. If the God really wanted you to drink the cow's milk, then you would have been born out of a cow. Why not try that? Man is already so fond of all kinds of medical acrobatics. And if one is so fond of cow's milk, why not try this, some kind of a scientific method of insemination whereby human babies are born from cows. Hmm? And designer cows that can keep providing milk for the baby even when the baby is 60 years old. And actually if you are 60 years old and still surviving on milk and ghee and butter then you are a baby. Mentally you have not gone beyond 6 months. Do you see a mature lion still sucking on milk? Do you see that? Or do you see even the little rabbit doing that beyond a few weeks? Man is the only one who even at the age of 80 craves for milk. That only proves how infantile we are in from within. Hmm? The mind has not really been able to get rid of the mother's breast. Pride will have something to say about that. So milk, milk, more milk. Of course, if you go into the psychology of it, you'll only find sexual perversion there, nothing else. I'm not convinced that man's body needs milk after a particular age. That age might be six months, one year, two year. Nature knows best, and according to her own innate intelligence, nature provides milk to the mother exactly as long as the baby needs milk. After that, if still the baby, or the man, or the family insist that milk must be fed to the human being, then it is uh, a deviation from the course of nature, then it is an ugly aberration.